I'm not here. Back through the hills where the Rocky Mounds roll, there's a song the men sing, and you've heard it before. It gives me chills when they scream it out loud. So cherish these words, cause there's a magic they bring. It goes, hum now here, kid, I need you so bad. It goes, hum now here, kid, I fucking need you so bad. Hum now here, kid, I need you so bad. Hum now here, kid, I fucking need you so bad. More than just a call It's a fortune for us all Very different from a saying It's my soul's way of praying So one more fucking time Let's sing the nursery rhyme Ask from you I don't But this time I'm a-begging So sing with me I'm now here, kid I need you so bad I'm now here, kid I fucking need I'm now here, kid. I need you bad. I'm now here, kid. I fucking need you so bad. I'm now here, kid. I need you so bad. I'm now here, kid. I fucking need you so bad. Hey, come on, come on. I'm not even gonna press pause. I'm just gonna put that guitar down, baby, because that's how we do it live and on location. It's episode number 71, folks. Do the math. All right? Happy to have you back. Who are we? We got episodes in back to back weeks? Are you serious? Is this program up and running and functional for the time being? certainly is. So very good to be back behind the microphone. An absolute scorn. weekend here up in Canada. Not sure if it's in a long weekend for all of the provinces up here, but I believe it is. I know that it is not a holiday for the states as I No folks, I'm working on a different kind of project. It's called the project, okay? Do the math. You've probably heard of it. Unless you're someone from work, then pretend you've never heard of it and tell nobody that you did, okay? Thank you very much. Um, had a really cool opportunity to listen to the very first Joe Rogan podcast that I have listened to in recent memory. I honestly think the last Joe Rogan I tuned into was Matthew McConaughey. And he sold me fully and completely on his book, Green Lights, which I read and thoroughly enjoyed. What an interesting...
uh, but I've, I've mentioned this on other pods in the past. I just have a huge problem with starting pods and uh, not being able to finish them. So I try to refrain from doing so. And Joe Rogan's pods are so long. But um, this one I had to tune into. And that was uh, the Zach Bryan episode. It was really crazy to see when, you know, when I saw he was on Zach Bryan, I was kind of like, wow, this guy, he's uh, he's certainly made it. Quick sip here. <sighs> yeah, this guy's made it, man. And he's one of those artists that he's not really marketable by CMT standards, country radio standards. You know, we won't see him up on the radio stations here in Canada. I mean, you might hear like his songs like Something in the Orange. You know, he has some certain ones that are so big and so popular that they cannot be ignored. But he's really, in the past year, I mean, if anyone's even remotely into country music or just, you know, good music, I guess, not to say good music, but, you know, like bands or just songwriting, anyone that's making, you know, real music right now, everyone knows who Zach Bryan is. And what a meteoric rise. That is what I want to coin this as. And I feel like a little bit of pride about this fella because, you know, to sound like one of those kids, especially back in the day, or like one of those indie friends of yours, I found this guy a long time ago. Found this guy before he was famous. And the only reason I take any pride in that whatsoever is just because I've never found an artist. Like when the first time I ever heard Zach Bryan, I was, um, it was August of 2019. And I was going into my last year of university. And I can still remember literally exactly what I was doing. I was out in the backyard doing something. Had my phone out. And I was literally just... I used to always religiously... I would just listen to YouTube. Before you know, Apple Music and Spotify really took over. I know that those were very prevalent apps back in uh, 2019. But I used to find all my music on YouTube... You know, I'd get caught in some weird playlist and then, you know, it would be like, we recommend for you. And, you know, they just kind of like you'd see in the search bar next to the video you're listening to right now. Like you might also like <clears throat> once you would go down these certain rabbit holes, you know, the algorithm of YouTube really got to cater towards my music taste. And there was a time where, yeah, I, I was an Apple Music guy, still am. I've always debated the change to Spotify, never have made it. But I would listen to my music on Apple and traditionally, I would just find all this stuff on YouTube. And I've kind of gotten away from that in uh, recent years. Kind of miss that because I always think about this. Like, I don't have a lot of trust in uh, the recommended videos all the time for YouTube. And I don't think a lot of people do, especially with our algorithms and how they're kind of taken over. But I'll never forget. I seen this video. It said, recommended for you. It said, headed south. It was this sweaty kid in a fucking, you could tell, I was like, this looks like this kid just filmed this with his uh, like phone light. And it only had a couple thousand views, I think, at the time. And I just randomly clicked on it. And I've always been that guy, like, I don't know, almost in a weird way, like not to be cool, but like takes pride in like finding enjoyment in music that wasn't like really popular. So I find this guy and like immediately the second I hear the song, like you can go listen to the YouTube version if you haven't. Find the one with the sweaty kid in the field. Can't miss him. And just the second you hear it, I'm like, this kid's like legit. This kid's not messing around. He was out. You could hear the crickets in the background. Like he was out there front facing iPhone camera with a flash. 
And I was like, this kid's like, you could tell that he wrote that song and that he was not to sound like a tool. Feeling every fucking word of it. You know what I'm saying? Could just tell immediately that this kid had that sauce within him. He was dialed in. And I mean, maybe it wasn't like that cl- that few of views like I, I made it out to be. But I want to say like I found this guy. I found a couple more YouTube videos about him. And in the next several days, like I went all in on him. Sure enough, found out that he had his first ever album come out. The one called Deanne. If you've never listened to it, go listen to it. It's legendary. And yeah, I was kind of hooked on it completely at the time. And I was, uh, you know, I was a, one of the veteran guys in the hockey team. I used to love controlling the, the, the fucking speaker. I used to always be the DJ, especially, uh, you know, with my last couple of years at university, I loved running the tunes. Wasn't a game guy, but I was a big, uh, DJ for practice and stuff. And I remember the boys were getting sick of Zach Bryan and that album because I would come in from the room every skate and uh, every practice, again, not a game guy, every morning skate, every skate, and I would just play Zach Bryan over and over and over again. Um, I was really into playing guitar at the time, and I was you know, obsessed with just learning how to play and sing all of his songs because they were just so good. And you know, it kind of reminded me like uh, of a Tyler Childers' very first album. It's called Bottles and Bibles. came out in 2011, and that's another one where it's just him and his guitar and he was young at the time when he released that as well. And it was unbelievable. Like, it was raw. Like it was just, like, really, really good. And, you know, Zach's obviously gone on to make some amazing albums, some great music. And, like, some really... He, he, this guy comes out with a ton of songs. Like, it's actually foolish the amount of stuff this guy has that's unreleased, that's just on SoundCloud. It's just on YouTube. Like, this guy's very impressive. And I don't think anyone can listen to a you know, a, bunch, a batch of his songs and say that, you know, you might not be into that music, but you can't say that this guy's not, doesn't have a talent for writing his own songs and, you know, for kind of doing things the way that he wants to do it. So it, it was very beautiful to see. And now this guy's, you know, he's in the span of, you know, four some years. He, I don't know how long his musical jersey journey really is entailed, but in not a long time frame, this guy's gone from, you know, he was in, working in the Navy making some songs on Twitter that he thought he enjoyed and, you know, he was putting them out there for some time and all of a sudden, you know, a couple of them just started to really hit and that's what uh, really happened there. I, you know, I listened to his pod. I won't touch too much on the pod. I hope you listen to it because it was a really cool conversation between him and Rogan and man, the kid's a, the kid's a stud and you can tell that he's just the where he is because he's just so genuine and it feels like he's, you know, you're just sounds like a chill guy and an elite songwriter who, um, if you've listened to some of his YouTubes over the years on on other podcasts, on YouTube and whatnot, this guy's a songwriter first and foremost. He speaks on it, wasn't into therapy and whatnot, probably went through some heavy shit going through the war. He had a mother that passed. That's who the first album is, is named after, Deanne. And he has one song on that album. If you do me a favor, you listen to it, and it's called Sweet Deanne. And it's a song written to his mom, and it's honestly an incredible song. I remember I got my girlfriend when we f- I first found the, this album out. I f- think I picked her up from work. And me and her, I was like, you got to listen to this. And you got to listen to every word. I kind of like prefaced what the song was about to her. And I said, like, this is legit. And we just drove around the city. And we were just literally both of us just crying our eyes out to this song. And, you know, I don't, in my lifetime, 
you know, there's tons of great music that has moved me, but uh, this was something different. I don't know. It was pretty crazy. It's a pretty cool feeling. And now just to watch how much great music he's come and created and, you know, he's only realistically getting started. I think he's only like 27 years old right now. Like we got a good one that we're going to get to see for years to come and really just create a bunch of amazing music. And I've always been that weird guy that like in a way like Tyler's Childers' favorite album is in a lot of regards probably that first one bottles and bibles and sometimes i feel like the the Anne album from zach bryan that might be my favorite too and you know obviously and i think sturgill simpson's earlier albums like i really like those coulter wall like his older stuff i think i can still say is my favorite and i mean i'm a music guy but like some people that are much more developed musically and above my head might laugh when i say this but I've always felt that in a way when an artist first comes onto the scene, like some of their first projects, that first EP, first album is a really good glimpse into who they really are and what made them want to create art. Like those, they're making this kind of songs that were attractive to write. And I know that they might've had like elementary songwriting skills or music creation skills at that, you know, that point of their journey. And you know, they're, they're way better now there's something about those early albums. Like I got into Bob Dylan last summer. I always have really respected him, but this guy's kind of got a ton of music and I kind of really went back and listened to some of the first songs that he ever created. And I was like, man, like these are unbelievable. And again, I was kind of like, okay, this might be like the first glimpse into what these guys think, like putting pen to paper, creating their own music, the kind of music they wanted to create. This is kind of a really good idea of like what their original, like, off the cuff thought of what they wanted to put out there was going to be. And I really feel that with Zach Bryan's album. And I mean, just go watch what he's up to now. And it just always blows my mind. Like he's such a, he's such a good looking guy too. Like he's a stud, he's young, he's making great music. He's so marketable. Like he's obviously got a huge mass following right now, but I still think it's so funny to me that like a guy like him, you know, you don't really hear him on the radio. I don't really listen to country radio up in Canada anymore it's extremely pop country and that hasn't changed, you know, that's hasn't changed ever. Probably. I just kind of got into different music and noticed it, but this guy's making some bangers. And like, I've really noticed lately, like people that you kind of know and you loosely know what their music tastes are when you see them like sharing stuff with his song on it, or just sharing that that's what they're listening to. You see a clip and he's playing in the car. It's pretty cool just to see how this one guy has gone out there and just, you know, he's really made a name for himself and it's just so crazy thinking to how, you know, you look at like that Johnny Cash back in the day, like I, I can't, I haven't watched that movie in so long, but like, you know, he's going and like playing with his band in front of like a guy that like makes CDs for a record company. And now we got a guy like Zach Bryan who literally was just making songs because it was something that felt good to him. I believe in some of his interviews he said before, like writing was just a form of therapy that got him you know, feeling a little bit better at the end of the day. And clearly he was really good at it. And he just kept putting stuff out there and never even had the intention of becoming a musician. And here he is. And the sky's honestly the limit. So really cool to see that looking forward to, it. he's got a new album coming out. I believe it's either this month or next month. Just uh, keep your tabs on this guy. I remember I touched on him. I think I talked about him way back on one of these earlier episodes and I remember someone, like a couple of people reaching out to me being like, man, I've never heard of this guy and like great tips. So honestly, anyone that I can point in the direction of great music, 
That's what I'm going to do here on the show. But uh, literally, man, what an absolute stud. Listen to the interview too. Kind of, I really like Rogan. Like people love hating on him. I just think because it's he creates such a good show that so many people enjoy. And when you have a mass following that big, it's always going to get scary. But I've always thought it was so funny. Is like I always wondered if like does Joe Rogan have like any basis of an idea of what he wants to talk about? Like he must, and he's so good at it now that he can map these conversations probably throughout the three and a half hours that he has with a guest. But every episode you listen to, like it always just starts, like the intro ends, it kind of fades out, and he just starts with like you can hear them like slurping back a drink or, you know, laughing in a conversation, or you kind of might join a conversation already in the middle of it. But I just love how he does a really good job of just making it seem like genuine conversation. And then he does he has a great job with his producer Jamie who chimes in at just the perfect time, gets them the relative information up on the screens to keep the conversations flowing. Just, uh, it's a great show that I think all podcasters can undoubtedly learn from. All right, but just moving on, I had to mention something about my boy, Zach Bryan, because he was awesome. And uh, last thing I'll mention before this, did get the opportunity to see him in Raleigh, North Carolina. I bought a ticket for myself and a teammate at the time. Teammate couldn't end up coming. And I just drove up there alone and watched him at the Ritz in Raleigh. It was awesome. I watched Charles Goodwin way up in the rafters. I couldn't get a seat up down low. And then kind of nudged my way up front and got a really good seat for his show. And it's almost too bad because at the time he had so many songs. Like that new album with all like the 30 songs that wasn't out yet. And I believe that it was one of the first shows. If not the first show, I should have had this up. Because I have a picture of the tour in a frame in a closet here, but I believe I might've been one of the first like audiences ever to hear something in the orange live. And that is uh, something that I'll always cherish and bring with me. So go listen to him and uh, yeah, enjoy that podcast too. Cause he's a beauty. It's a great way to learn a little bit more about him. And honestly, any uh, podcast, for musicians, cause sometimes you listen to so much music of someone. And then when you finally get to listen, you're kind of like, okay, this is what this, this is what they're really like. Like that's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. Um, on a weird uh, pivot and a not-so-nice note, I had to bring this up because I read all these articles and this one just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. kind of really bothered me. You know, sometimes, and this is, this, is for, this is up in Canada, and I don't pretend to know much about the law because apparently, you know, you can go in as deep as you want to. And, um, you know, I think I have a good grasp on what, what the law is and, and what's wrong and what's right. But sometimes, you know, you read these sentencings and, and what went on and it kind of makes you shake your head. And I, I don't know how this these things would be handled in the States or other countries, obviously as a Canadian, but like you read something like this and fuck, it's crazy. And this happened up in Edmonton, close to home, you know, just three hours up the road. I'm actually going there tomorrow for a couple nights for work. So this popped up on the screen of mine on Instagram, I originally caught wind of it, but this is fucking crazy. And listen to this and tell me if this is right. Okay, there's going to be a little bit of reading here, so forgive me, but I'm going to try to do a good job as I do it. I'll do my news teleprompter voice. Male facing multiple charges in connection to machete attacks. The police are asking citizens to be on the lookout for a machete. The Edmonton Police Service has arrested and charged a 33-year-old male with attempted murder and aggravated assault times four. In connection with violent machete assaults on four individuals in a northeast Edmonton residence. On Monday, July 31st, literally a week ago today, at approximately 4 a.m., 
Northeast Branch Patrol officers responded to a disturbance call at the residence near 118th Avenue and 38th Street. Upon arrival, police located two females and one male suffering from extensive life-threatening injuries. Further investigation led officers to a second nearby residence where the attack occurred. While officers were assessing and providing urgent care to the three victims prior to the arrival of EMS, another male victim with a serious stab wound was discovered in a nearby vehicle. While the machete assaults were not random, investigators believe they were unprovoked. The suspect soon identified and on Wednesday, August 2nd, police located and arrested Bobby James Laval, 33, of Prince George, B.C. He is facing charges of attempted murder, aggravated, aggravated assault times four, and breaches of conditions and probation. That's where I kind of got pissed when you read that. Investigators are seeking the public's assistance in locating the machete, which has not yet been recovered. The weapon described as a cookery-style knife, picture below, <clears throat> like this thing looks crazy. It looks like it's something out of like a samurai movie. Like it looks like a, just a weapon of death. And so that, that's the Edmonton Police Service article. This guy on probation, 33 years old, targeted but unprovoked attack on four different individuals. Suffering life-threatening injuries. I've never heard anything else about what happened to the victims. Really hoping they're okay. But then, you know, you go through, you, you hear about a post like this. Start seeing some comments. And then you start wondering, well, on probation, like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And why is he on probation? Why is he there in the first place? So I see a comment saying that in 2011 or 12, this guy was charged with two of his friends... For killing, beating a 16-year-old to death in Regina. So then I'm like, wait a tick. Had to go look up that article. Again, forgive me, as my producer Jamie from Joe Rogan's not here, but let me take a stab at reading this. This is an article, okay? So this is an article from the Regina Leader Post. Once a witness to the slaying of his cousin in a violent home invasion, a Regina man now awaits sentencing for his role in a deadly attack on a 16-year-old boy. I'm truly sorry. We're not the monsters they make us out to be. Bobby James Clive Laval, then 23, told a Regina court during a sentencing submission Friday. We're humans, and we made a tragic mistake. Delano Vincent Toto, a grade 11 Tom collegiate student with a passion for basketball, was beaten to death when he stepped outside a Regina home with $5 in his pocket to buy food from a nearby McDonald's. The victim here was a child. This was a brutal attack, Crown Prosecutor David Flett said, adding that Toto was outnumbered, outsized, and vulnerable when he was sent upon by Laval and two other men last year. I've lost something so precious to me, Toto's sister wrote in a victim impact statement. The family, who didn't attend court, recently lost Toto's mother. Laval, Charlton Jonathan Rope, and Terry Sean Smoke have pleaded guilty to manslaughter. Sentencing submissions for Rope, 27, and Smoke, 24, were heard earlier this month, but Court of Queen's Bench Justice Ellen Gunn put off the sentencing of the trio until November 9th. Although the three were originally charged with murder, this is where it's crazy, the Crown accepted a guilty plea to manslaughter because they were heavily intoxicated and unable to form the intent to kill, a necessary element for murder. 
Regina police were on their way to another call shortly after 5 a.m. on May 7, 2011, when they stumbled upon Toto's body in the front yard of an 8th Avenue and Ray Street home. It was not the first time the police had seen Toto that morning. Police had been called earlier to an altercation in an alley in an area Laval, Rope, and a couple of women were en route to a party when they got into a disagreement with another group of people that included Toto, who had gone to a basketball and game and then a party before this altercation incurred. Laval, who had a knife, suffered a cut at hand. One of the victim's companions also had a knife, and several others were armed with fence posts. Laval and Rope fled to the home of Laval's father on the 1400 block of Ray Street. The victim and his companions were initially detained by police, but allowed to leave in the care of an adult. They returned to a house half a block away at 1369 Ray Street. Laval and Rope were associated with a, with a gang known as the Crazy Natives, court heard. Given the earlier confrontation, the two men in smoke, who had all been drinking, became concerned that the house they were at might be rushed by a rival gang, and they opted to make a preemptive strike. They laid in wait outside 1369 Ray Street. Rope had a hammer, Laval a stick, and Smoke the handle from a hammer. At 4.40 a.m., Toto, who was not a gang member, was the first to exit, and he made it only 10 feet before he was knocked to the ground, kick, kicked and struck repeatedly. It was Rope's one or two hammer blows that provided fatal. They never sought help for the wounded teen. Laval admitted twice kicking Toto as he lay on the ground. Defense lawyers Dave Andrews said that while his client wasn't directly responsible for Toto's death, he was a party to the killing. He said Laval's actions must be seen in the context of a gang-related incident in 2007 when his 19-year-old cousin Wilton Laval was killed by a group of men from the native syndicate killers who rushed to Regina House. Bobby Laval had been hiding in a closet and heard the killing. He feared something similar on this night, Andrews said. Sometimes, what's going on down in the other part of a city here that the rest of us don't see, we have trouble putting ourselves in that situation, said Andrews. It doesn't mean that people should be excused for what they do, but sometimes it's perhaps understandable why people do something so foolish. Given Laval's involvement in a criminal record that includes a prior offense, he already had run-ins with the law before he killed this kid, Flett sought a 10-year prison term. Andrews asked for more one-to-one -one credit for the time Laval had already served, yada, 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 yada. The Crown had sought for a 12-year prison sentence for rope and seven to nine years for smoke. That's insane. Sorry if that was a long read for you all there. I wasn't exactly a teleprompter. But this part is what gets me. I never knew this was a thing with manslaughter. I knew, like, manslaughter, obviously, it meant you killed someone. Maybe, it, you know, you didn't mean to or, or whatever. Like, it wasn't like it was a, a planned attack or whatever. But although the three were originally charged with murder, the Crown accepted a guilty plea to manslaughter because they were heavily intoxicated and unable to form the intent to kill, a necessary element for murder. So you can be so drunk that you kill someone, but you were so drunk that you didn't have the intent to kill them. Got a hammer? I think they had two hammers and like a, the handle of a hammer, whatever they had. Hammer involved, weapons involved. No, here it is. Rope had a hammer, Laval a stick, and smoked the handle from a hammer. So I don't know what really went on in that first altercation. I'm not sure. And I have no idea what it's like to be part of a gang. I really don't. So I don't know what's going on. But when you see like a singular kid pop out of a home and like he might be with people that you don't like or don't agree with, 
But when he's a 16-year-old kid and he's by himself and he's getting beat to death by all people who can be classified as men, I don't know, okay? And the fa- I don't know. What were they going there to do? They're not going there to kill the guy. They have a hammer, the handle from a hammer and a stick. Like, that doesn't sound like they're just going to get in a little bit of a light tilt. Uh, again, I don't, you know, who knows if they thought there was going to be a crew of them coming out of that house or whatnot. But I just think that that's this. And then now he's not even two full years out of being out of prison from this. And he's already grabbed a machete, tried to kill four other people. So forget about the past stuff because, you know, we don't know what's going on and why these things happen. But this guy could have been originally was getting tried for second degree murder. Which again, I'm not, I, I wouldn't even know the, I don't even want to try to look at the details because they might be different in the States and whatnot. But second degree, I mean, doesn't that mean like you had intent, like you knew what you were doing, like you were going there to cause harm and essentially get rid of the person. But then for manslaughter to work like that, where they're too drunk, that they couldn't have the intent to kill. Well, maybe like they should have, like when they had seeing that there's one kid there like should they have not had the intent that maybe we don't need to absolutely murk this guy but i get i don't know what i got under that what what made me like really concerned though you look up this exact like by a different crime but the same the same i guess circumstances it says the scc was clear that being drunk or high is not a defense to crimes of violence including sexual assault and that the defense of extreme intoxication would almost never be available when alcohol alone is the cause of intoxication. So, I wonder what makes that different in the terms of ending someone's life. Like, I don't know. I don't know enough about it, and I don't try to pretend to be a lawyer. I don't want to go through here and act like I'm smart enough and smarter than the law. But I read that, and I thought, I mean, you always hear people say, oh, the system's corrupt, the system's corrupt. That sounds a little crazy to me. Okay, and whatever capacity that this guy's out, like, how does I'd love to know, like, how does it work when that guy gets out? This Laval guy, he's now, he's probably, you know, it said he was 23 or whatever when he got locked up. So let's say he's 32, whatever, when he's out. Like, what do they do? Do they just let the guy go and like you just check into your probation officer? You hope you're okay. Like, I don't know. It's just I thought that was so crazy, and I don't mean to go on long and on and all, all anything like that and try to read like a teleprompter but that was something that I thought I had to bring up and I don't know if that's it doesn't sound right so let's maybe I want to keep tabs on this one and see how this one's handled because it'll be interesting to see like how when you breach your probation and you get manslaughter times four and you've already killed a 16 year old with a prior pr- previous criminal record at that point like maybe we just we lock them up you know maybe we don't look for the social services that could have helped them Right there's sometimes it's just like terrible upbringing. I mean, it's terrible hearing what he had to go through in 2007 when he hears his cousin. Like you know, we don't understand why people do the things they do until we're in their shoes. I get that now, for like I get that for sure. But uh, we don't. Uh, we 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 just that's not an excuse for this behavior. So I really hope that this is handled, and it'll be interesting to see which way this goes. You know, all right. But enough of that. That's enough sad talk. The last I'll say about it, imagine being the defense attorney in like any case like that. I always think about that. How does it work? Like you get appointed and you obviously have to do your job knowing that you're defending someone who just like did an absolute heinous thing. 
I'd like to hear more about that, how that all goes on. All right. But um, enough of that. Enough of that. Ah, not a fun thing to talk about, but I thought it randomly, you know, I was reading it. I was like, I got to talk about that in the pod. All right. Got to start doing some due diligence as a journalist. Always getting these weird conversations with people like about life. If it's really what we're supposed to be doing, you know, if, you know, are we happy and all this stuff like that? You know, I don't know. Sometimes. Something to think about, though, is, you know, back in the day, it was, everything was tough. Nothing was easy. Nature's brutal. Just literally surviving another day would be like the greatest accomplishment ever. Like your quality of life, like if you just literally got the opportunity to grab a sip of clean water and just get hydrated for a second... Maybe some shade, get out of the sun, stop being chased by a predator. Like that would just bring you a, a form of euphoria that we have no idea. You know, I think we're like right now, society ain't. Uh, people would say society's in turmoil. No, it's society's in turmoil because we have we're so set up to a point that we can just bitch about everything. Everything's gotten so easy that we're bitching about like the most hilarious shit possible. And everyone always wants to go back to like, I don't know, like, oh, it does, it could, uh, it's not fair, like, I don't know, fairness and everything like that. I'm like, man, like, the like, the society we live in right now, the world we live in right now, I think we're pretty lucky. Like, if we wanted to go back to like, caveman era, you're just trying to fucking get a spark lit off a rock so that you don't freeze your, your tukus off in a little hole in the, in the mountainside. Yeah, life's not that bad. And realistically, this was the conversation I had with someone the other day. Money's kind of like hunting. So you should look at it in a satisfying way by going to work. That's our hunting. We're, we're hunting. If you're a salesman, it's like you're hunting for the sale. It's like you're a hunter-gatherer. If you travel for work, think about it back in the day. A lot of these cavemen probably had to go far and far away to get the money they needed. The food they needed, sorry. Sometimes we have to go far, far away to get the money we needed. Long story short, all I'm saying is let's just be a little grateful here. Let's be very, let's let's be a little bit grateful. If you have a roof above your head, you've had a couple meals today, I think we're going to be okay. All right? Because if you've been anywhere in this country right now, any big city, you've seen the homeless problem is just getting out of control. It's getting absolutely out of control. And I couldn't imagine, like... You know, we always like to say, oh, don't do this, don't do that. Like, you know, how'd you end up there? But like, imagine being there and you're trying to get on your feet with the price of everything. Like there's many days when I have a good paying job, I got every God-given thing you could ever ask for. And it's still, you know, I still have my hard days trying to wonder like, what am I going to do here? Could you imagine every day you wake up? Like, how are you supposed to get out of that cycle? So I don't know what the answer is, but I'm really praying for all these people that I see across Canada, unfortunately, and all these crazy places. And I don't know what the uh, answer is, but I'm thinking of these people and I really hope that we can get them the help they need and we can stop people from ending up in this scenario because that's the downfall of like, uh, you know, a, a society like this where, you know, it's just, I don't know how to explain it, how we can all have so much and then some people right next to us can have so little I don't understand it, and I really hope these people get the help they need, and I don't know what the answer is because, I mean, if we knew it, I'm sure we'd have it all figured out by now, and 
I just really hope that we can do something that start getting these people the roofs over their head and getting them jobs and getting them back on their feet and, and doing what they want to do with their lives because seeing people in a tent by some trees under the bridge is it's heartbreaking. I don't care where you are in the world. It's actually fucking insane. And I don't know why we can't make it better, but uh, we're going to figure it out. Okay. We're going to figure this out. We're going to figure it out. God, it's crazy. It's, I can't believe it's already August. A couple weeks here. It's going to be September. It's the dog days of summer, baby. God, I find sometimes August, August can creep up on you. You know, it's like school's coming, fall's coming. Do not let it sneak out of your grasp. Do not wish it away. Kind of felt bad about my last episode in some regards because it just sounded like I was just bitching. Maybe because I was. But unfortunately, I have another travel woe I like to bitch about. And this time it's in the form of a rental car. All right? Now, this is just what I want you... This is like a learning scenario for all of us, all of us listeners. If this ever happens to you, this is how it should be handled. Okay? So a lot of times through work, I have the, you know, the due diligence of renting myself a car for, you know, wherever I am, if I'm flying in somewhere and I'm not going to be able to drive my own car there. And, you know, usually I use Enterprise, usually I've had a lot of success with it, but uh, occasionally sometimes they're booked up and you can't do it. This time they wouldn't do a one-way drop-off. So anyways, I had to go down the list. I had to choose my boys over at Hertz. Hertz. I'd only used Hertz one other time in my life. And they completely, loyally fucked that up really hard. So I didn't have a lot of faith with Hertz going into this. But it was the only option I had. And I was really thankful to get a car booked. Because I was going to be absolutely hooped. And they were my last option, it seemed, in the city of Vancouver. But earlier in the year when I was just starting this job, I had a rental through Hertz. And luckily it was just for home when I was waiting for my car to arrive. And... Literally, they gave me the wrong car and I had to like midday like transfer it back. So this is my only experience with Hertz. So I didn't have tons of faith in the company going into it. But then, so this is last week, show up to Vancouver. When you're always booking those flights to Vancouver, especially from like Calgary, I like to fly in at like 8 o'clock a.m. It's because if you leave your flights at 7.30 from Calgary, you're going to fly in at like 7.30 7.45 in Vancouver time. You still have your full Monday to work there. You don't lose much of the day to traveling. So I show up there. It's like 8 a.m. I'm in front of Hertz. And I'm getting my, you know, just, just giving them my credit card, showing them the license, getting it all, you know, getting checked into my rental there. And sh- this guy, like, I'm pretty personal. I like to be very nice to, like, service, like, customer service people. So I walk in there. I'm like, hey, like, how you doing, sir? Like, uh, Monday morning, eh? Start of a new week, eh? New opportunities. ha, <laughs> ha. And like this guy might as well have been half asleep. This guy didn't give a fuck that there was a human being in front of him. Honestly, like when I rolled up and like I was like, hey, how you doing, sir? You know when you can like tell you see someone see someone chippy and they're like, Ugh. like he let out like a. It was like I was inconveniencing him with like him having to do his job by like me wanting to use the business of Hertz. So this guy, half asleep, doesn't say a word to me basically. He makes me go sit down in like the waiting area. He's like, ah, I'll be right there with you. And then all of a sudden he goes, sir, car's ready. It's basically the only interaction that we had. And this guy straight up says to me, yeah, car's out there in uh, lot 19. Not sure if you've ever been to the Vancouver airport where they rent, rent cars, but it's like underground. You're in like a parkade. You got this office with all the, the counters. 
and then you kind of just make your way out of the parkade and find your car and drive out. But whenever you go, like someone walks you out, you do a once over, they show you the car, you know, maybe some features that come with the car. That's usually what I find is, you know, the, the standard conduct with, with how these things go out. But this guy's like, all right, you're good to go. And I kind of like stood there kind of like waiting for him to like walk around the counter and lead me out. I'm like, Oh, does someone need to show me the car? Again, it was like I was just inconveniencing him with a question. He's like, no. Like, it was a stupid question. No. No. So I go out there, grab the car, just a nice little Camry, nothing crazy, just, you know, the you know standard mid-sized car you order. And it was a lot of money. I don't even want to say the number because I will throw up, but it was a lot of money for this rental. So I get it. I get in the car, immediately I notice that there's some sort of a stench, stench that shouldn't be there, and my phone fell between the, you know, the cracks of the seats a couple times, and, and there, like, I, there was just dirt down there, it wasn't, it wasn't a clean car, for what you pay for, for these rental cars, and what you're expecting, this just, this just was not it, and then, not to mention, throughout the week, as I'm coming and going out of the hotels and stuff, I just slowly start noticing all the damage to the exterior of this vehicle. This thing was fucked up. Thing only had like 69,000 kilometers, I think, 70,000. But this thing looked like it had been through the ringer. And certainly in terms of a rental car, you just I just hadn't seen that. I think at one point I even noticed like a dent in like the, the hood of the car. Not the hood, the roof of the car. It looked like a baseball was thrown straight at it or something like that. So just like extremely odd behavior for a rental car. But sometime in the week, it even thought in my head, I was like, I should really take pictures of this. Like, I can just imagine that they're going to try and fuck me over with this. And then, anyways, I had a great trip. Fly home Friday. When I get to the airport on Friday, and when you do like a one-way drop-off, especially to an area or airport that you've never been to, you're always kind of like, uh, and you don't think about it till right when you're pulling up to the airport. You're like, oh shit, like I have this rental car. Like, where do you go? Where do you put it back? Like, Am I parking in the right spot? You never know. So I pull into this place. Like, I'm kind of getting nervous. I'm like, I don't see, like, Hertz. I don't see Hertz. Sure enough, I find, like, the location where the Hertz cars go. And it didn't seem like there was a single one in this entire parking lot. Just empty Hertz spots. And I parked in, like, the very far corner because it was beside the only garbage can. At the end of a week of traveling on the road, yeah, there's a lot of empty water bottles and, you know, Tim Hortons cups. You just got to get rid of all those in one spot. So I parked like it looked hilarious. I'm in the very far, far corner. But I'm looking around. See Enterprise. You see Budget, Avis. They all got their little booth out there. They got their little lot attendant. They're running out waters, bottles of water and shit. And I look around. I don't see anything from Hertz. And I was not told or like I had no idea where to go. Should have probably figured it out. But anyway, so I call them. And I'm just like, hey, like just returning a car here with Hertz. I am not 100% sure if I'm putting it in the right spot. Is there an outside office? Do I go see someone out here? Is there someone coming to me? What's going on? And he's like, oh, nope. No, we didn't have anyone available to work out there today. So just come in and drop it off at the counter inside. I'm like, okay. Thinking nothing of it. And I go in there. And the first thing I see when I walk around the desk is just like, there's literally seven people behind this desk. You know what a little rental airport kiosk looks like? Picture seven of the boys back there. So I walk up and I'm like, oh, there they are. And I'm kind of just joking, but they don't know my humor and clearly didn't think it was funny. I just see seven faces. I'm like, here's the guys I want to see. Again, not even a smile, not even a hi, sir. I'm just like, I'm a Hertz customer. I need to bring my keys back. Oh, then someone addresses me and goes, hi. Yes, please. Let me see your license. 
Anyways, these guys, there's seven of them back there. They're all humming and hawing. They all look miserable. And then sure enough, I'm trying to be bubbly, trying to be chatty. That's fallen on deaf ears. And then as I walk away, I said, you wait and see. They're going to try and fuck me for that car. And then of course, naturally, right when I get, I literally landed in Calgary. It's only a 45, 50 minute flight from Kelowna. I open up my phone, throw AirPlay mode off. The first thing I see is a Gmail notification pop up with the email. Like the, I'm like, fuck. I just know. I already know what this email is. Click on it. Sure enough, it's from Hertz. And it goes on some big lot yada yada. We got to start a claim with our insurance company and yours as you have damaged the rear driver's side bumper of this car. And I saw the picture. Like you can tell Buddy just took a picture with his iPhone, screenshotted it, and then used his thumb with the pencil and just circled these. And it looked comical. I almost, I almost should put the picture up. But then I, I laughed. So I, and I look and I, and I see him say this. And he's right now, you know, give us your statement of what happened and why this happened. And uh, we'll get back to you when we're in touch with our uh, legal team. And I just start calling the guy. I call the branch. Again, this is a one-hour flight after I just saw them all. Call them, no answer. Call them, no answer. Call them one more time for a third, no answer. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, even if someone's busy, there's seven people at this place. There's not another phone line ringing. None of, the, none of the boys can pick it up. Get me going here. Give me some help. And this is like Friday. This is the last thing you want to deal with. Like Your week, work week just ended. You're trying to literally clock out, get into your car, drive home, and forget about the work week. No, it's still lingering on. Damage to the rental car. So I, finally, someone calls me back. I answer right away. He goes, sorry, sir. I was assisting someone with another customer. Immediately, not sure what the six other guys behind the desk were doing. They must have all gone home. And immediately, like, I just straight up led with, I will not be held responsible for the for what the damages that you are saying are on my end. And I just straight up kind of just land blasted them. Not land blasted them, because you can't get rude with these people, because they deal with rude all the time. I mentioned this last episode with the airlines. You're not going to win. That's not how you're going to get what you want of these scenarios. As much as you'd love just to fucking grit your teeth and let it fly, you have to be somewhat cordial. That's what I tried to provide during this encounter. So then I kind of said to him, he's trying to tell me like the damage was there. And I start going on like, no, like I noticed like tons of damage before. And like no one was ever like, it was never brought forth to me from Vancouver, like the branch of Vancouver when I grabbed it. And he, and I mentioned like, what did the Vancouver branch say to you? And then he's, he kind of was like, uh, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I haven't contacted the Vancouver branch yet. I'm like, well, wouldn't that be a smart thing to do before you accuse a customer after just spending like bunch of money with your company i get it it's through work but like i make the decision of where we're where we're, where we're booking that stuff and he then he's kind of like oh yeah i'm like that's probably would have been your due diligence right he's like oh yeah so i'm like so you never heard nothing from vancouver and he's like no so i just basically told him i'm like man like you could have just circled that entire car in that picture you sent me because if you do another once over you'll see there's a lot of damage here and then he starts going on about how you know, usually like, yeah, we get, we always, we like to inquire. I'm sorry. I was a little hot off the gun because, you know, we like to get these, even the minorest damages, we like to get them fixed right away. Had to interrupt him again right there. I said, sir, if that was the case, there wouldn't be scratches all over your vehicle leading to me, leading me to be into such confusion with how you're contacting me about this without even following up with the other branches. And anyways, told me to write an email. I wrote him a long winded email. I've heard nothing back. So I'm hoping that this was handled correctly. 
But long story short, you got you don't let these guys take advantage of you. Don't let them. Make sure you do a once over and make sure you're taking pictures of that rental because those boys, they're gonna come, they're gonna come <laughs> trying to lay the hammer down on you. And we will not let that happen. One thing, one of the last things I'll mention here is that I've I've been, I think I've bitched about this to people before. But how is it 2023 and we have cars being developed with tight cracks between the seats that once the phone falls in will likely be fed to fall completely under the seat and, you know, in a place where when you do reach, because you will be in a panic in a vehicle that might not have CarPlay or hook up for GPS for a rental car in a town you're not in. So when you drop the phone, it goes between the seats you're distracted driving. You're not supposed to do this, but you need to know where the next exit is. You're going to violently start putting your hand under the seat of that car. Maybe at a red light, you might even pop out, open the door, get on your two feet if there's enough time, and start ramming your hand under your seat looking for your phone in a fit of desperation. That's exactly what I did last week. I cut the shit out of my hand. It's on a red light, and these Toyotas, they don't have... Uh, CarPlay, or the one that I was on didn't. And like I drive a lot for work, need to know where I'm going. When the map falls in between the crack of the seat, you feel some sort of a... You know what I'm talking about not being grateful? I'm talking about first world problems. This is one of them. When your cell phone cracks between... Your cell phone cracks. When it falls between the cracks and you need to fucking get somewhere, that's first world problem, baby. But God, it pisses me off. But how do you not, do you not think that at any point, like we would just like, what, what happened to the bench design? I'm sure this shit wasn't falling between the seats and we had just bench seating. Somebody put a bench in the front. The front console is so, we don't need it. We can do things without it. Or even just make it a long bench that could have a flip down console. I used to have a Dodge Dakota like that. <laughs> it was a big hit with the honeys. Just joking. But folks, it's episode number 71. Bit of a different look here. A couple different tales. A couple different directions. But it's fun to make a show back-to-back in the same week. And other than like the... In Christmas time I made an episode. And then a couple days later I made like a weird short hockey one. But in terms of absolute honest production. Back-to-back weeks. I think we have that folks. It's an honor to be here with you. It's episode number 71. This is The Project. This is your host of the most hopsy go giddy baby boy. Nice to have that song playing at the beginning, too. It's been a while since I led with the song. Folks, great to see you. Great to hear you. Great to speak with you. Talk to you all in a week.